Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. I know it's been a couple of weeks since you've heard from me. And, um, well, a lot has happened, obviously, uh, with this calendar that we're playing with this season. Let me tell you, two weeks, it feels like it's been two months. And uh, a lot has changed, and I have not been able to put a podcast out for a couple weeks like I just said, but so we've lost speed a little bit. Um, But I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you listen to many of the others, at least some of the others, so you know what's been going on in the club. Um, I think in regard to the Porto match, uh, everybody hit the nail on the head for the most part. Uh, Everybody I listened to said all the same things I would have been saying. Um, It was a big, big night for the team in terms of character. Um, I thought for the first time in a year and a half at the Stade de Gaulle, our team looked like they had some character. They fought together, something I've been clamming for here on this podcast almost since the beginning, since the very first time we went up against Porto. And um, I thought we gave it a great effort, and, and it should have been the turning point in our season. But, of course, I didn't get an episode done at the time when it was fresh. And um, to go back and talk about it now would be quite irrelevant because it certainly might have been a turning point in the season, but not the one we wanted. This was a, this was the first of now three straight league matches without a win. Two points in the last three matches. Um if you're listening, you you must already know because the mic is hot right now, and I'm 
uh, recording this just minutes after João de Deus's, uh press conference at Stadio Valade. Um, you know by now, Benfica have lost 1-0 on the road at Stadio Valade to Sporting. And Benfica now nine points behind their Lisbon rivals. Um, and in fourth place now, we've fallen to fourth place, so... Let's start today's episode. This is going to be a completely different format than than I've ever done. This is just this is going to be a straight post game show today. Um, like I said, it's been a while since I've been able to record, and I don't know when I'll be able to record again. And we got another match on Friday, so it never stops. And I wanted to get this out to you while the material was relevant. So let's start today with uh, the the table. We're going to start with the table because a lot has happened. Again, this table will be available um, by the time you listen to this on www.mrbenfica.com. All right. Uh, sporting leaders, 42 points from 16 matches, 13 victories, 3 draws, 34 goals scored, 9 allowed. A very, very impressive mark for the team, uh, the team managed by none other than Ruben Amuri, who, um, listen, <laughs> either he's the luckiest manager in the world or he is a great, he is a future great. Um, he's admitted that he's got a little bit of luck going his way. Today, although I'm going to say that I believe Sporting were the better side, I do believe either side w- could have won this match and the other team would have had no complaints. I think it was even enough. Um but especially when you look at it, you know, in the context of just the 90 minutes, which we Benficistas have a very hard time doing, and, and rightfully so, because it's not just about this 90 minutes, okay? This 90 minutes didn't have to be this pressure-packed if we had taken care of business in other matches, okay? So the first thing is the, the, the title was not lost here tonight. If the title is in fact lost, and it's a high probability now, it was lost at the three nil the three nil defeat at Boavista. It was lost in the three two home defeat to Braga. It was lost at Santa Clara. It was lost. Perhaps the final blow really was in the last round against Nacional at home. I didn't do a show on that, and I don't really want to ever talk about that match. Okay, um, it may come up, it may not, but that you know. That can't happen. COVID or no COVID. And I'll get into that before we start also, before we get into the match about what's been going on as far as COVID. And, um, well, I got mixed feelings. I got mixed feelings on that. And um, I guess I'm going to work work through them here on this microphone. And uh, you'll get to hear me work through my thoughts and see what I really think or where I stand on the situation. Um, whether or not Whether or not COVID is being used as a crutch or not. I, I'll get into that, I'm sure, before the end of this episode. But like we said, Sporting, first place right now. Second place, Football Club do Porto. They won again today, 2-0. Um, again, one thing I want to say about that Porto match. Mehdi Taremi should have been suspended for multiple matches. That straight red card shouldn't have even had to go to VAR. Okay, the referee went to VAR, he saw it, he sent him off. No way should that have only been a one-match suspension. He's very, very, Nicolas Otamendi is a very, very fortunate to have not broken his lower leg on that play. That play was dirty, that play was vicious. I don't want to hear that Taremi has a good character and that he's not a dirty player. No, 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 no. I've watched all season, I watched him at Riwav in the past. Don't give me that. 
Okay, he comes in late every time. He finishes his tackle, whether the ball is there or not. Don't tell me. That's not just hard work. That is dirty. So stop with the, you know, with the excuses that, oh, he's a clean player. Or as they said in that match, and if I had come on the air after that, the way Sergio, I think it was Sergio Sergio Conceição, the manager, trying to tell the referee it was his first foul. So that means it's not a straight red. Get out of here. Not only was that a straight red, that's a minimum three-match ban. If he did that in the the Premier League, if he did that in the Bundesliga, he would have got three to five matches. Okay, he'd have been in the stands for not just one uh, League Cup semifinal that meant nothing to them. What a convenient situation that was that he can serve it. So by the next league game, Taremi's back on the pitch and gets the winning goal. And that's right now why Porto are four points ahead of us and not two because of the two extra points they got from Medi Taremi in their next match. BS if you ask me. And we'll get again to talking about, you know, suspensions and whatnot because that's a talking point for this match as well. But uh, right now, Porto, 38 points in second place. Five points ahead of us, excuse me, not four. Then there's us in third, although uh, BTV has us as fourth, and I think that's because BTV is using the... They are using the head-to-head tiebreaker. However, the head-to-head tiebreaker only comes into effect once both matches have been played. So for the meantime, Benfica, um, on most charts will be shown as third but they are in fact fourth because they did lose to Braga but both teams have 33 points and uh very very disappointing it's disappointing for Braga to be 33 points and nine points back right now never mind for Benfica and that's with all due respect uh fifth place is Vitoria Guimarães 29 points our next our next opponents sixth place are Passos de Ferreira, 28 points. Santa Clara are next in 7th, 21 points. Three back from them are two teams. 8th is right now going to Moreirense, while ninth is Tondela. They each have 18 points. Then Maritimo and Nacional, the two Madeira rivals with 17 points apiece in 10th and 11th respectively. Code City, Blue Blenis, Sad, or soon-to-be Grandolens, perhaps. There is a story uh, that's going around about Bolenes Sad being in talks with the municipality of Grandula in Alentejo, um, along Alentejo's coast, in talks of bringing that club to the to the the town of Grandula and um, and beginning next season playing their matches there. Whether or not uh, the club will be called Grandolens, so will they be called? They want to. I've feel like they want to keep the name Bolinish Sad, which would make absolutely no sense whatsoever. But um, we'll see what happens with Coat City Blues. Uh, a lot of a lot of talk, and it's it's really interesting. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch. But um, for now, they are Bisad uh, or Code City Blues. They are 12th, and they have 15 points. Also with 15 points is the one of the teams I'm rooting for to go down, Portimones. They have 15, as does Riwav and... Um, Famalicão and Boavista each with 14 right behind them. Boavista right now in the 16th place. So that is a relegation uh, playoff spot where they would have to play the third place team from the second division. And right now in the two relegation spots are two teams I hope get out of there. Gilles Vicente and Ferenc. 13 points for Gilles and 12 for Ferenc. That is the table right now. As you know, I'm hoping Portimonense get relegated. I'm also hoping Nacional get relegated. And here's why. Before I get into this match, okay, the, the, I guess it's not Nacional's fault, but I'm going to blame him anyway. Uh, not, you know, Nacional have played matches uh, postponed already this season. 
They've postponed matches due to COVID. Benfica has a ridiculous outbreak, one in which, okay, the precedent, if it was set in in the beginning of the season in September, Gilles Vicente had 11 players infected, 11 players test positive. Their match with Sporting, the opening match, was postponed. It was postponed. Benfica have 10 players with a positive test. Benfica asked the DGS, the government, to step in. The government says they have nothing to do with football. How interesting that all of a sudden the government has nothing to do with football. Really. No, it was not in the government's interest to get involved in football in this uh, in this situation. Otherwise, they very well would have. But they kicked it back to the league who said Benfica have to play because Nacional refused to to reschedule the match. Now, why does Nacional even have a say in the matter? There should be a set protocol, and when situation A happens, outcome A follows. When situation B happens, outcome B. Every every situation that can come up has a corresponding consequence or a corresponding action that should follow. For some reason... <laughs> It's like it's some amateur league where you where both teams have to agree to why why would a team like Nacional say sure let's reschedule the match I don't want to face Benfica at half strength no they're saying this is our chance to face Benfica at half strength give me a break this is ridiculous this is horrible league management as usual from Liga Nage and the federation also being quiet and letting the league do whatever they want and uh, overall just poor poor. Poor administration of football in Portugal, and it's continuing to show its ugly colors week in, week out. Okay, so that was the one thing. So when Nacional gets all happy about their point, yeah, it shouldn't. We should have won the match. Okay, even a half strength Benfica should take care of Nacional. But when they're gonna sit there and and act like they're completely free of any responsibility, you know, they they've accepted to to reschedule matches before, and this one they couldn't. Now, I just gave you, you know, a defense for them. It's not their problem, and I do believe that. But, however, is there anyone out there who doesn't believe that that team up north has something to do with this? Yeah, maybe a little Malita, huh? huh? Maybe a little briefcase showing up on the door at Nacional, you know, to, to go ahead and take that risk. You know, you got Benfica half strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know this virus is is widespread in Portugal, and it is running rampant, but, you know, Infect your players or get a point against Benfica. It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up, people. So I don't know what. Um, I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked that all four teams in that League Cup Final Four aren't completely overrun with the virus now. That um, that Final Four should not have been run. Now, I understand why it had to be. Listen, nobody nobody stands up for business more than I do in the sports in the sports uh, space. Okay, especially you know uh, anyone covering Portuguese soccer or talking Portuguese football um, is gonna is gonna defend business of sports more than I will. I don't think, but um, you know the contracts were signed. But I really felt what what I felt should have happened in a sporting manner because you can't re you can't cancel the competition there is sponsorship commitments that have to be obligated completely normal okay and again there is a sporting measure where there is a crown there is a title to be won 
as well as, you know, teams have already invested in this tournament, having played matches and risked players. If you throw it out, you're throwing out everyone else, what everyone else risked to to have the competition be staged. What they should have done, in my opinion, and maybe this isn't popular, but was move the League Cup Final Four to the March international break. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, everybody goes into it without their international players. Okay. It is what it is. You deal with it. You have some domestic football taking place while the international window that a lot of people are not fans of uh, goes on. Okay, a lot of people do not. They disconnect from football during the international window. So why not? Uh, why not? Maybe they couldn't for FIFA reasons. Maybe for UEFA reasons. I don't know if they're uh, you know obligated to keep those completely open. Or if they can schedule, you know, a competition like this in it. Uh, but regardless, um, assuming they could, I would see that that week would be the perfect place to stage this Final Four. I mean, it's it's all in the past now, but that's what I thought could have happened. And um, if you don't know why they they insist on running this league, this league cup, Benfica's loss to Braga in the semifinals was a record television audience in Portugal. Um, and when I mean record, I mean it was the most watched football match in Portugal, or I should say football club match. It might have even been a football league match. Any match run by the football league, the League of Portugal, in the last five years. A huge audience, okay? A huge, huge, especially for Portuguese standards. TV audience watched that on TVE, on the most watched television network in Portugal. And um, that's why they play the game. Um, but, of course, as you know, Sporting won the League Cup. And now Sporting have beaten Benfica. And uh, that's where we're going to go next, right after this short little break. Uh, I'll be back on the other end. And we'll talk about this Sporting 1, Benfica nil. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 105 of Mr. Benfica. As you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. You can follow the show on our website, www.mrbenfica.com. 
And also you can find some select episodes of this of this podcast on YouTube on the Mr. Benfica YouTube channel. Just search Mr. Benfica on YouTube. All right. So let's get to this match. Okay. It is today. This this one is hot off the press. It is uh, about the match ended about an hour ago. So still fresh in the memory. But let's look at the lineup starting for the league leaders Sporting playing in their home stadium. Uh, Antonio Adan is in goal once again, and Rubens coming out with it with his normal three-five-two, uh, and it is net. It is uh, yeah, it is Neto, Luis Neto, Sebastian Coates, and Fidal as the three across the back, and then the two wing backs on the right. You have Pedro Porro, the Spaniard, and on the left, port- young Portuguese uh, player. Nuno Mench. Three in central midfield for Sporting was João Mario anchoring with Mateus Luiz and Pedro uh, Gonçalves Potts in, in in support or, you know, at either side of him. And your two forwards to start the match were Tiago Tomaj and Benfica Youth <laughs> Academy product Nuno Santos. So that is the 3-5-2 that Ruben sends out. Us, Benfica, tonight we come out with, with something I've been calling for, actually. And I said when the Lucas Verissimo deal seemed set in stone, I said that it gave us the opportunity to go to a three-man backline. I thought we needed to do it, and I still think we needed to do it. And João de Deus and or Jorge Jesus, and if you don't know, Jorge Jesus not on the bench for this match, second match in a row. Where uh, George Zouge was was um, I, I suppose he's at home in quarantine. He has tested positive for COVID also, and the the irony of this one was that he was the one actually uh, showing symptoms. He didn't feel well, but he continued to test negative, so he continued to coach. And I'm thinking that that might not have been the best decision. We'll see. If we get more cases, if there's anybody left who has not had the virus yet, um, they should be really, really careful uh, because he he stayed around the team for several days not feeling well. So, uh, And then finally went, I believe, to the hospital with, with lung issues, and they finally um, said that he had, a, he had a lung infection caused by COVID-19. So Georges Jesus not on the bench. His first assistant, João de Deus, in his place, and it's the second match that Dedeus has has uh, managed as he took care of the Portuguese Cup quarterfinal last Thursday, in which Benfica had a pretty convincing 3-0 victory over Bissad and uh, moved on to the semifinals in that competition, which now really becomes one of our prime focuses. But anyway, João Dedeus goes for it here. Either he did or Jorge Jesus, you know, communicated this to him. Uh, but it was three at the back for Benfica. Of course, Vlacodimos is back in goal also. We've had Elton Leighton. We've had Svilar in goal the last couple matches. But uh, Odi Vlacodimos returns for this one. And uh, his three-man back line is anchored by Jardel with Otamendi to his right and Jan Vertonghen to his left. And then the wingbacks, Gilberto on the right and Grimaldo on the left. The trio in midfield was a... It was a triangle with two in the back so uh, a double pivot of Ulian Weigel and Pizzi with Rafa playing in front of them and then with Chervi to the left and Darwin Nunez attacking to the right 
they didn't really play quite that. They didn't play that static. Uh, but those are the two the two uh, strikers in this one. And what a change. Yep, last time, <laughs> the last time I had an episode, Franco Cherry was buried on the bench. <laughs> and, um, well, Georges Zouge made a brilliant decision in the Porto match to come up with two left backs. I've always said that that was the match and the situation for Cervi to start in, but uh, he went with Nuno Tavares and Grimaldo, and it worked. But what happened was, after that, you had COVID run rampant through the team. So, with Grimaldo and Nuno Tavares both both uh, infected with COVID-19, no choice but to finally give Cervi a chance at left back. And wouldn't you know it, he played quite well. Yes, we lost the match to Braga in which he started at left back, but he played well. Well enough that he was left he was left in the squad for the Nacional match and the and the Bolinish Sad match. And you know what? That was apparently supposed to be his his uh, swan song from Benfica as Chervi gets a goal against Bisad and celebrates it and then is greeted by his team as if he was leaving and I think he was leaving until the very last moment. But it, then it came out just a day or two ago. Franco Cervi is going nowhere. So um, if you're not aware, we offloaded a whole ton of players. So gone, and I think all of these are on loan, with the exception of uh, Facundo Fajera. He's gone. He he uh, he came to the end. The the him and Benfica agreed to part ways. So his contract was rescinded, and he went to Celta de Vigo, and then. That's where Cherry was supposed to go. It didn't happen. And I'm guessing that Facundo going for, for nothing may have been a consolation in Cherry staying. But then you have Todibo, who I've hardly had a chance to talk about, who finally got a chance to play. But he's gone faster than you can than you can say, huh? Um, Ferru is gone. Notice they both play a position that we currently um, lack a body in. But, yeah, that's... That, Two central defenders gone. Okay, Jetson has gone. Uh, he ends up not returning at all from from Tottenham. He's off to Galatasaray. Uh, we're not re- we're not getting back. Uh, you know, Florentino Luis. He continues to be barely used at Monaco. But yeah, it was an offload. It was an offload. Um, Ferro goes to Valencia. And wouldn't you know it, so we go, after we offload two central defenders, we decide to go to a three-man back line. And I, uh, I like I like it in theory. However, one of them is Jardel. And with Jardel, and this is not any disrespect meant to the player. He's a fantastic Benfica. And I even understand keeping him around, but keeping him as... Even if it's for just one match. One of the other central defenders needed to be kept. If you were going to play this. Or this this system may have had to have been held off. Because, listen, we know what happens to Jardel when he plays. It's it, it, it He knew it right away. Was anyone surprised when Jardel pulled a hamstring or you know pulled up lame with an injury? 10 minutes into the match. You might have been surprised with how quickly it happened. But was anyone really surprised? 
how do you come to a match like this and not have an alternate central defender outside of a player that plays another position, of course. So Jardel gets hurt, and in the 10th minute, he is subbed off, and he's replaced by Gabriel, and it doesn't take rocket science to see that Ulian Weigel was going to drop and play as the central defender, and Ulian Weigel did that and did quite well in that role. Uh, he clearly plays very well as a central defender in a three-man back line, but uh, Gabriel comes on, and, well, that makes it very dangerous in our in our midfield because now we have... Two central midfielders that are not really known for their defensive capabilities. And Gabriel, who's not positionally always the best in terms of his positioning. And he, he you know, granted you do have a three-man three uh, back line versus a, you know, a center-back pairing behind you. So you have a little more coverage in behind you. But this was something I was nervous about. But you know what? Gabriel ended up having himself a pretty good match. Um... All in all, he won a lot of balls. He battled. This was not a pretty match. Anyone that wanted that doesn't know much about what they're following. Okay, if you thought you were going to come in and you were going to see a 5-3 classic with great skill on display, you're late to the party because that was never going to happen in this match. And Befico, we're not going to let that happen because, first of all, we're just getting guys back. This, This was some players' first match back. Others came back in the previous match on Thursday, but you know we're not we're not in any shape to go into a an all and out shootout with uh with anybody at this point. So you know we were going to keep things tight and try to keep the the match in front of us. And for the most part, I think Benfica defensively had a pretty good game. Okay, they got you know through ninety three minutes before surrendering a goal and. You know, the goal was a little fluky, but uh, Sporting also had some chances they missed. We missed some of our chances, so you know it was a match that looked like it was headed for zero zero. Didn't look like he, um, either team was going to score, but of course I remembered how a couple of times now we've pulled games out, you know, in those late stages, and I was hopeful because I remembered Rafa coming on late last year and getting two goals late in the match. I remember a previous year getting a late goal to uh, to draw with them there at the Alvalade. The last season also at the very end we won at home late with a goal from Vinicius that won him the golden boot. We have kind of a history of scoring late against Sporting, so I wasn't losing hope, but I never expected they were going to get it. But again, some of the substitutions in this match, I just uh, they left me quite baffled. Okay, I'm going to go through the substitutions as as they happened, right? And we know that the first one was, as I said, Gabriel on for an injured Jardel. It's probably time for Jardel to hang it up. Um, you know, I think he was trying with all his might to get through one last season, but I think it's hurting the team right now because one of our young defenders, at least one of the, what, three that we got out on loan now, um, you know, could be in that spot. But no, Befica has decided to stick with with Jardel through thick and thin. And uh, well, Lucas Verissimo is on the way. He's supposed to arrive Wednesday in Portugal. But again, that still leaves Jardel as our only center back sub. Uh, 
yes, we can use Weigel there, but you know, and we have Samadis who should have been honestly on the bench for this match and not in the stands. And I'll get to to that in a minute, and because I think someone else should have been in the stands by now, and he still continues to to be in the game day squad. But uh, we get a yellow card in the 14th for Tiago Tomas. Uh, I thought that the Sporting team didn't play as well as they have been. Um, yes, they're playing Benfica, a stronger team than usual. But uh, Nuno Santos and Tomas Tavares were going down far, far, far too easily. Okay, uh, for my liking. And it, that's not really the way they've been playing. And, and they changed that for this match. And, and early on, Sporting was looking for calls and looking to try to get you know, looking to try to get a penalty here or there to get an early goal and probably try to ease the nerves because I think they came into this match nervous. They have a poor history against us, all right? Um, something we deal with when we go in and play every time we play Porto. They have a similar, they have a similar, you know, stat line or, or history with us. And um, that was something else they had to overcome in this match. So I think they, they were nervous early on playing it safe. But uh, they grew in confidence as the match went, I think. And as, as did Befica. Befica got better as the match went on. And there were moments where one team was playing well and the other wasn't. And there were other moments where neither team was really playing that well. It was a derby. Okay, it was a rivalry match. It was a derby. And they were the tackling was hard. And, I mean, I think Rafa was fouled almost every time he was in possession. And... Uh, for my liking, far too few yellow cards produced for our rivals compared to us. But, um, you know, I don't know how Gilberto stayed in this match. He he, uh, I thought could have gotten his second his second booking a number of times, and referee Artur Suarez continued to to forgive him, probably because his his actual yellow card was was nonsense and so many things that that the referee let go all match he, he he booked them for having a few words with the with the assistant referee which you know is 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 a little bit clownish but that's portuguese football for you uh Vigel goes into the book in the 15th and that that wasn't good because he had to play 75 minutes as a central defender in a position he's not really played a lot of and he has to do it without being able to get booked because he's already on a booking uh, in the 18th minute, PZ had a left-footed effort. It was one of the better build-up plays from Benfica. Uh, PZ receives it on the right on his right foot, cuts into his to his left foot, but his shot is hooked and wide to the goalkeeper's left. And uh, Sporting with a good chance in the 22nd. Uh, Tiago Tomaj is in on goal. Odi makes a nice save, but then the linesman's flag goes up. For offside, and it's another classic. Uh, it's a classic one where the the AR lets the entire play run and then puts the flag up after. Uh, Pot, as they call him, Pedro Gonçalves with a left-footed effort in the thirtieth uh, from outside the box, but it was too high. Uh, the goal TV announcer here in the United States, in English specifically, was really beating up on Gabriel in this one, and I thought Gabriel had himself, you know. An okay match, given and his rating isn't that bad. You you'd have thought that you you were using you know the worst left back that there's a, or the worst right back there there's ever been in this match, and you know they stopped at everything short of suggesting that the backup goalie should come in to play right back. I I really didn't like the broadcast or the 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 commentary 
on Goal TV in English for this one. I haven't liked it much. I, there's an anti an anti Befica bias there, whether it's intentional or not. But I mean, this guy was all over Gilberto, and there's plenty to 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 comment and plenty to uh, plenty to to criticize and plenty to compliment on. But you know, this guy was all over Gilberto, like I said. And, and then when he would do something right, he was uh, this commentator was off telling a story about something else. And uh, I thought I thought Gilberto was better than that. And um, I'm looking at the ratings, which I'll get to in a little bit. And his rating is, n- is nothing horrible as, uh, you know, he... He's he's gotten better as the season's gone on. I don't think anyone can deny that. And there's no sense in complaining because we don't have anybody else to put there. Okay? So the complaints should not be with Gilberto. The complaints should be that the team was built so that it would be put in a position where we have to use Gilberto as our only option as a right back, whether it's as a wing back or as a defending right back. It doesn't matter. He's the only one we have. And maybe it's time for me to join my voice to the chorus that is congratulating the 63%. And you know what I'm talking about. Because you know what? This the, the, the personnel issues we are going through right now. Yes, I know COVID is an extreme situation. But again, the team was built poorly. Just like last year's team was built poorly. We haven't had a properly built team since probably since you know Jesus's first tenure. Okay? That left Huy Vitori with a decently built team for two years. But after that, you know, we we have not had we've won a title with a team that was poorly built because we were bailed out by Academy players. That happen to step up and happen to be able to fill that void. That's not going to happen too many times. This squad is poorly built. And I don't care about how much money they spent. I know a lot of people are critical of that. I don't care if you spent $100 million or $1 million. The right pieces are not on the board for this squad. Whether you spent $1 million or $100 million, it's still a poorly built squad. You don't have enough in some places. You have too many in other places. It's amateurish. And you, but you know what? In October, sixty-three to 64% of you approved of this. You approved of the way this team is built. You gave a vote of confidence to those who built it this way. So maybe we have no complaints. When our 35-year-old central defender pulls a hamstring and we don't even have another one to put in there. Oh, I got more. I got more coming up. This isn't going to be your favorite episode of Mr. Benfica, that's for sure. Uh, I got. <laughs> this is just, I think, a year's worth of frustration is going to come out in this one. But we go into we go into halftime. It's nil nil. Okay. Come out for the second half, and Benfica get the better of them. They get a good opportunity early. Um, it's Darwin. He gets an opportunity, and he did not have a good game at all. Nobody, I don't think anybody in their right mind can say he had a good game. I think that he's not getting the the coaching he needs because he's repeating, you know, his mistakes. And now he's so indecisive that he just he's guaranteed almost to make the wrong decision every time. 
I think he, he needs a match as a substitute. I think they're keeping him in there to not crush his confidence. But I think what he needs is to come out of the out of the starting lineup and get a you know relieve the pressure and refocus and come work his way back into the team. Maybe it takes four or five matches. You know, you've got the guys. You know, run with Seferovic as much as I don't really. You know, it is he. Here's that 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 Nelson Verissio quote. He it is what it is. Okay, we only have so many options. Rodrigo Pino's not coming this year. Okay, for some reason, Waldschmidt not was not even an option in this one. Um, I don't know how much this this formation is going to suit Luca Waldschmidt, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see if they even ever play it again. But it just it's a frustrating game because even if we get out of here with the draw, okay, even if we get out of this match with the draw, yeah, I know it was a must win, but if we got out of there with the draw, six points with. The fact that we can play them one more time, that would only that meant that we would only need help once or twice. Okay, it only meant we need a little help. Now we need a lot of help. Okay, because we lost this match. Had it stayed zero zero as as down as Benfica Nation would have been, it it wouldn't have been over. Six points, you know, with half a season to go, is not the craziest thing in the world. Nine points now. Now we're asking for the best comeback in Portuguese football history. And, you know, it'll be great if that happens, but you basically we now got to ask this team to be perfect for the rest of the season and hope that Sporting slip up. Well, honestly, what I think Befica need to do is not even worry about the table now. It's got to be one match at a time, one match at a time, and then another, and then another, and see where you are in four or five matches and see if you've made up any ground before you can even start talking about points, Okay. We're talking about how many points you need. Okay, you you really have to bring it back and back to the the basics, as they say, and, and re-simplify and take care of the Vitoria Guimarães match. That is now the most important match of the season. Okay, from here on out, and this is a this is an enormous, uh, enormously taxing situation mentally on these players because they're going to have to approach each match like it's a final the rest of the season. And, well, that's very difficult. But it's not the first time it's happened, and we were in similar situation before. So, it, listen, with COVID, who knows? I'm not going to sit here and wish an outbreak on anybody, but, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that it could ravage through Sporting's locker room, and they could be using you know five or six unused players as starters for a week or two and drop six points or four points and make it interesting again. It's very possible. Porto are very very uh, they're not deep at all. An injury bug, an illness bug going through their their team room would decimate them as well. So it's it's far too early to throw in the towel, especially with all the unknowns that could be ahead. And with this fixture congestion, teams can lose points fast because momentum and confidence is going to be shaken. The problem now, right, you lose a match and, you know, you've only got three or four days before the next one. That can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing because if you're if you're still carrying you know the the disappointment and if you're carrying the lack of confidence from the previous loss and you haven't had time to really 
come to grips with it to, to analyze your your performance and improve it if you haven't had time to process all of it you could it could affect your next performance and if that next performance is four days away instead of seven days away that that could make a difference and teams can and that's why in these congested fixture uh fixture lists you see it a lot of times in the holiday season in England. Somebody blows a lot of points in a very short time because of all of the matches they're playing. It's not out of the realm of possibility that one or two of our rival or both of our rivals, uh, you want to include Braga them as well, could hit a slump of two or three games where they pick up you know, three points in three games or something like that. And then we have ourselves a, a race again. But right now we need help. Um, again, second half, we get a substitution, so... Um, it goes to the hour mark and, you know, Benfica are, they have a couple chances in there. They give away a couple chances. There's, you know, it's, I just don't understand where this, this, this substitution comes from. Okay. And to be, and I think you guys know where I'm going with this. You know how I feel about, uh, (laughs) about some of these players, certain players, but. When I saw Delta Opt get up and come in and warm up, I was cringing. I was cringing. 63rd minute, a Delta Opt steps on, replaces Franco Cervi. Now, mind you, a Delta Opt stopped being a starter a couple games ago. Mind you, that in the previous week, a certain Chiquinho stepped into his place. Had a goal and an assist. In one week, Shikinu has a goal and an assist. Adel Tarapt has a goal and an assist in five years. And in the big game, you bring in Adel Tarapt and not Shikinu. Adel Tarapt. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I don't want to sit here and trash a player, and I know a lot of people like this player, and he's got his his you know he's got his fans, but he's the one that should have been sitting in the press box and not Andreas Samaric. He has been completely terrible all season. He has been absolutely terrible all season. I know he had COVID. He's been even worse since he's got back. COVID or not, his performance has been horrible. That's why he doesn't start, thankfully. But he has no business coming into this match. He brought absolutely nothing. Again, it makes us defensively liable everywhere. And now you're bringing in a guy who brings us absolutely nothing defensively. Okay? Every midfield falls apart when he's in it because it it leaves too many guys having to do too much simply because he doesn't play the position. And this is the guy that comes in. And, well, yeah, I really had a problem with the I don't know who called. I don't know who was calling the, the substitutions. It wouldn't surprise me if Jerome the Dillage got a message Relate to him from JJ saying to make the substitution. Anybody who's been in the game, who's been the number two, okay, where I used to uh, find myself for for a good amount of time, knows when the number one is away, he's not really away. Even before there was cell phones, they had ways, okay. He's never really away. As much as a manager of the level 
of the ego of George Zouj is away. Okay, he can. I I don't doubt for a minute that he trusts Jean de Deux. Okay, I don't doubt that for a minute. But he's not just gonna sit away quiet. As soon as he sees something on his television that he wants, he's gonna get that message to the team. Okay, again, anybody who's been the number two and filled in knows that you know. <laughs> knows that the number one is never completely away okay there's always there's always communication and i i just this substitution irritated me to no end again you're taking off a guy who provides or who can potentially provide defensive cover okay you're taking out a franco chervi okay who can play left back and I'm going to keep that in mind. You took him out. And we'll talk again when we had to make a switch at left back. Because for some reason on this team, we have outside backs that can't play 90 minutes. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But here, you take out Chervi and you add Tarapt. Now, Tarapt has not delivered that ball I take it back. He had a really good one again in one of the matches. Okay, uh, that I believe that Seferovic completely missed. Okay, he came in and delivered a perfect ball that Seferovic poorly. And it was, this was the Nacional game. Seferovic makes the wrong run basically, and he doesn't give Terap the right line of pass. And what happens is he's he's too far forward in the ball can't get to him so it ends up behind him and, and instead of tapping into an to an empty goal and going ahead of Nacional uh Seferovic has to reach back and and he's left with with uh he's left with no no angle to to get the goal and that should have been an assist for Delta Rapt. and then I wouldn't be able to talk about one goal and one assist um but Outside of that one play, I've yet to see him deliver that cutting ball for the tap-in, okay, or that ball that puts your attacking player in perfect position. I'm sure he's done it a couple times, but it's just it's been a long, long time since Adel Tarapt has delivered one of those. Again, for me, and I'm not here to second-guess the manager, but Shikinu makes more sense, and I... Would not have taken Franco Cervi out, to be quite honest with you. I probably wouldn't have even made the, the substitution. I know a lot of people get on the manager for waiting too long on substitutions, but it's not always. Substituting just for the sake of substituting can can completely destroy a chemist, can, can completely destroy a team's chemistry. But we move forward, and uh, Rafa, he almost sets up Rafa for a goal, actually, on his first touch uh, of play. It's Tarap's best play, actually, is on his first touch, and he puts Rafa into position. Rafa cuts back to his preferred right foot, shoots, but but he misses um, to the left side. And we move forward as Ruben makes a substitution, a key one in the 73rd minute. Tabata comes on for Tiak Tomaj. Tiak Tomaj completely like neutralized and um, 
Really, our, our defenders, Otamendi had him all game long. Otamendi was frustrating Thiago Tomas all game long. Um, once again, we saw Otamendi step up and defend our team. We saw him get right in Thiago Tomas's face and, and let him know who he's he's dealing with. And I don't know that anyone is happier than I am that, uh, that Otamendi's had the turnaround he's had. It was for matches like this one and like those two with Porto that I really thought Otamendi would bring something that we lacked, and I think that has shown. And again, Otamendi very, very good in this match. Okay, very, very good in this match as uh, it forces it forces uh, Ruben Amorim to make a substitute here as Bruno Tabata comes on, and Bruno Tabata has a history of being a pain for Benfica. Uh, going back to his days w- with other with other clubs, I believe it was at uh, he played both for Chaves and for Portimonense, if I'm not mistaken, and has a history of getting goals and assists against us. Seventy uh, fifth minute, a yellow card for for PZ. I thought Benfica got a little bit uh, were a little bit unfairly on the wrong end of the yellow card uh, of the yellow card total. Let me take a look right now and tell you how many yellow cards there were. There were five yellow cards to Benfica to three for Sporting when every single time that that Rafa had the ball he was fouled. It was it was insane. Just how how many fouls they got away with. But we get a we get a so after that yellow card to Pizzi, um a lot of nothing going on, a lot of battling but no real chances for either side and then we get a substitution in the 78th. And Seferovic comes on for Nunez. I don't have any issue with this substitution. This is one that maybe could have been made back at the hour mark. Um, but then we got Nuno Tavares coming on for Grimaldo. And again, I don't understand this decision. Um, why does the left back have to come out all the time? If Grimaldo cannot play 90 minutes, maybe he needs to be a little more selective of when he goes forward. Yes, he's very good going forward, but he doesn't have to make that many rushes forward. If he's if he if his lungs are given out 10 minutes early, okay, he's got to I would think adjust a little bit about the way he plays to make sure he can last a little longer. We can't afford to take out a guy as important as Grimaldo in the 70th and 75th minute every match. And I understand in this wingback position, he's got to cover even more space and run even more. I get it. But again, you had a guy on the pitch already who can function. Is there any question who's better defensively between Franco Cervi or Nuno Tavares? I mean, we almost had Nuno Tavares give away the the Clásico at at Porto, okay? On a a juvenile mistake that he made that nearly led to Porto going ahead two to one, and now we place him in here in this match again, in a defensive role on a side that already has a Delta Rap cheating towards, meaning there's already little to no defensive cover on that side of the pitch. Your center back on that side is Jan Vertonghen, who's doing a lot of work and doing good work. But you're not giving him much in front of him at that point, especially defensively. And Nuno Tavares goes up, loses the ball, and he's not in position. It's a classic, you know, it's a repeating story with Nuno Tavares. Poor decisions, again, like Darwin, 
But the problem is he's playing in a position that is vulnerable defensively. He cannot afford to be the one losing the ball. And just, you know, that would come up because Nuntovaric would be there where when Sporting uh, get their goal. So we'll get to that momentarily. Gabriel gets a yellow card in the 79th. Well, basically all of Benfica's important players booked in this match. I believe all three central defenders were booked. Um, I believe, well, I know PZ was booked. Uh, Gabriel booked. So it, not easy to play that way. Um, there is a substitution for Sporting here. I'm going to go back just a moment. They make a substitution here in... Maybe they made it further ahead. I'm scrolling through. But they make a substitution in this match whenever it came. <laughs> okay, it is Pailinha coming on. Okay, Pailinha, who should have been suspended for this match. I don't want to hear from Sporting Isha's that they were robbed. Okay, rewind a month back and the game before we went to Dragon, Otamendi missed. Why? Because of a phantom yellow card on a play where he was the one that was fouled and even injured on. Okay. He still had to serve his suspension. So, again, it's the inconsistency in Portuguese football and the way things are enforced and the way rules are enforced. João Palhinha is allowed to play this match. Okay. Mehdi Taremi gets to play in his previous matches. He gets off with a one-match one suspension, which isn't even a league match. Everybody seems to win their appeals except us. I don't know. I don't get it. Okay, if Otamendi was still somehow you know, guilty of something, even though he didn't commit the foul that led to his yellow card, the league held up the decision. They originally held up the decision on Palinha, and then somehow they cave and it gets reversed. And then he comes into the game. And nearly scores a goal at one point. He makes he has a shot on goal that Odie even gets a finger to. The referee didn't notice that Odie saved it. And we ended up being spared with a goal kick. But again, on the on the goal, here we go. Alright. Um in actually before the goal. Huben clearly going for the tie, and, and rightfully so. He brings on Daniel Bragança in place of Pot in the 90th minute. So his top goal scorer, he takes off and brings on an extra defender Okay, in the 90th. He's, 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 he's aware of Befica's history against Sporting late in matches. I think he was even on the pitch for a couple of them in our uniform. Okay. He's he's strengthening the back line. He's going to be happy to take the one point because that keeps him ahead of Porto and that keeps him, you know, keeps Benfica at distance. But the ball finds its way, okay? It finds its way into Benfica's end and it comes out here as... It, it comes out to Bruntabata, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um... Yeah, I believe it was Bruno Tabata who who beats Nuntavarsh here. He he beats him, and Nuntavarsh cannot get beat like this inside the box to allow that cross. It was only a half, you know, a couple centimeters of space, a, a couple inches of space, a half inch, as we say in English. It's that half inch of space. That's all that the Spartan player creates, but that is 
absolutely what Nuno Tavares cannot allow to happen. He fell for the fake, gave him the space to get this cross off. Odie tries to parry it away, gets a hand to it, but unfortunately parries it right into the hand of of Matilj Luiz, and Matilj Luiz will head it into the center of our goal. Nobody can get it. Sporting win it late in extra time. It is at 90 plus one. Mefica unable to mount any kind of attack and any kind of response in the couple of minutes that they had as um, Sporting win and take the three points. That That's a wrap. I mean, uh, like I said, that this match is fresh in the wounds. I haven't had a chance to re-watch it. Haven't had a chance to re-look at any uh, any specific plays. But doing this as a post-game edition just to make sure I get this episode out before too many matches go by. Um, but really, really disappointing result. I think a, a draw would have been fair. I think a Befica win would have been fair. And while disappointing, a Sporting win is certainly fair. And... Um, they got to be liking their chances right now. They they do have a four point lead on Porto, and f- nine points on us and on Braga as well. And now I'm fearful that I'm fearful that when we play them the next time around, we're going to be playing to help Porto, which really makes me sick to my stomach. Which I know we'll play for ourselves and not for anybody else, but I feel like it's going to be the second to last week. Of the season, and our ri- our two rivals are in a race for the for the title, and all of a sudden we're in the role of spoiler, and that just makes makes my stomach ill. Let me tell you, the thought of helping either one of these teams, but especially of going into to to a match against Sporting and helping Porto, that that is the absolute worst case scenario. I will, uh, I won't be, I won't root for. Obviously, I won't root against Benfica. Um, so the fact is that'll be a real sour, uh, situation to find ourselves in. Hopefully, hopefully a mini miracle happens and Mefica somehow get themselves back into this race. But right now I think that the focus shifts. It has to shift to the Tasa de Portugal and to, to the, the Europa League because even getting top two right now is looking like it's going to be tough. We're five points away from second place, which if we get any further, it's going to be very, very hard to recover. And um, and then we're going to, like, you know, someone said on Twitter, $100 million spent in the summer so that we can fight out third place with Braga. But right now, that's where our season's headed. And if it has to change right here, right now, if anything is going to come of it. And it has to start right on Friday's match. With Vitória Guimarães at home. And then that is the end of the first half of the season. Definitely a first half of the season to forget from for Benfica. As things are really, really disappointing this year. Because I think mismanagement is... I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not... I'm not taking blame off of players. But the mismanagement of this club has been so blaring. This, this COVID outbreak or this pandemic has shed light on so many problems from a a club management standpoint in a way that this club is run and what this club does um and the way that these 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 rosters are staffed it needs to all be looked at and again i hate to to, to bark back to this but you know 
there was a chance to do something about it, and 63% went with the status quo. And now we are getting what we selected. It sounds horrible, and uh, I know it. it's not unifying per se, but sometimes, you know, things have to be hashed out, and sometimes truths just have to be expressed. And, you know, it, it's more of the same. This this dumpster offload of of young players is just... It's already disastrous. It cost us points tonight. We didn't have a proper option to to go in at central defense, and it's not Weigel's fault. Weigel had a very good match, but what happens is we hurt, it hurt our midfield to not have our midfield anchor in front of the back line, okay? And for all the work Gabriel did, and he came in and he did a lot of work, and, you know, and as usual, he overworks because he, you know, also is not the best positionally, so has to work extra hard to make up for his his lack of positioning at times but we but losing Weigel in the midfield I think cost us a lot of the tone setting it cost us a lot of the the territory we could have gained had he played further up the pitch okay so that that was the problem not having a proper central defender to bring on was hurt us more offensively than it did defensively. The, the, that three-man back line, I think, did a stellar job defending. Um, but in the end, you know, the, the only thing that matters is is the result. And this one hurts. This one's going to be a tough one to swallow. And like I said, we feel like we're miles away in third place now. And, um, well, it's going to be an interesting second half of the season because this team needs to play for something. They need to find something to play for, and they need to find form and, yeah, go after the best second half of the season in the history of the league because that's what it's going to take. Now, they, they own the the second the best second half of the season, Benfica do, but they're going to have to beat their own record from two two years ago. They're going to have to better it by two points if they want to win the league. But... If we win the if we win all of the games we have left, we'll have a chance. It that in itself isn't even enough anymore. Okay. That in itself isn't even enough anymore. But that's why they play the matches. There's a lot of football left to play. And um I know this hasn't been my best episode, but I wanted to get it out there to you guys. Um Make sure to to uh, support all the other projects as well. Make sure you support Befica Podcast, uh, Befica FEM, uh, Befica After Ninety. Who have uh, Mario up there in Canada? You know the host of Befica After Ninety created this this awesome opening credits uh, video. Which shout out to to Mario for that as he he included my name in the credits. It look, it's like a Game of Thrones. Uh, it's a Game of Thrones opening opening video, and it it was real cool. And when it, when it showed the cast, if you will, like if you're watching a TV show, that he included a whole bunch of our shows. You know, myself, uh, he included Benfica podcast and uh, Ucantin do Benfica. My my friend Mike Gonçalves uh, hosts that show, uh, both in English and in Portuguese. And um, yeah, they it, it, he included all of us, all of our projects, and then some in the opening credits, and that was really cool. So if you haven't checked it out, go to the Benfica After Ninety YouTube page and check that out. All right, and again, I'll have uh, the I'll have the table up on MrBenfica.com shortly. Uh, if you really want to torture yourself and look at the table, 
some more. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes uh, I like to punish myself like that too. But that's going to be it for episode 105. All right, I'll be back at some point in the next couple of days to do a women's football episode, okay, and catch everybody up on the news. Maybe I'll get some Modalidad's news in in that one as well because there is there is some news to talk about. And then, um, again, Befica kick off on Friday against Vitoria Guimarães, so you can expect a review of that match. A few days after that, my schedule should start to work a little bit better for me here, and hopefully there won't be any more hiatuses throughout the rest of this season. And hopefully there won't be too many more defeats throughout the rest of this season either because this is depressing, and I let me state for the record right here that my cell phone is off. And I am not receiving any notifications from anybody. I'm not receiving any text messages, especially from Sporting fans, from my family that are Sporting fans. Uh, definitely don't want to hear. I'm not taking any messages from Portistas. I'm going off the grid until episode 106. All right. So until episode 106, um, I'll be off the grid because I don't want to talk about this. This is horrible, horrible uh, run of events for Befica here. And... Um, yeah, I'm going to need a few days to get over this one, but uh, I'll be back. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll catch you next time here on Mr. Befica. This has been Mr. Befica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustin. You're signing off. See you next time. Mm-hmm.